Welcome to Brand New Doctor. My name is Rola Carajo, doctor turned healthcare graphic designer and brand strategist. This is the show where we share big ideas and look for inspiration in all kinds of places to help you grow a fulfilling career in healthcare. Following a path to success is one thing, but carving your own is another. So this is for you if you want to go beyond book smart. Sometimes when we ask for advice, we are really asking for someone to tell us what we already know. But the real gems are often unexpected and help us to think in a totally different way. Advice like this might help you to reach a goal faster, redefine your vision and make a bigger impact, or in my case, turn your dream on its head and help you begin where you want to end up. This is a special episode because I'll be speaking with the person who gave me the spark which led me to start this podcast sooner than I thought possible. Chike Ediputa is a digital strategy and transformation consultant. To put this simply, this means he helps businesses to use technology to improve the way they work for the better. I really wanted to pick your brain because each time we speak and I tell you how I'm doing, what I'm working on, you have this way of shifting my perspective and helping me to think about tackling my goals in a new kind of way. And it seems to me that you do this for a living because the way you think is essential to your role as a digital transformation expert. So could you explain a little bit more for the audience what this means exactly? So yeah, what, what do I do for a living? It's broad in terms of a digital strategy and transformation consultant. But at the same time, you know, effectively, I would say, you know, when, when, when I engage clients, it's typically the same, very similar process, you know, as in healthcare, when you go see your general practitioner or your consultants. However, the, the topics that we address are, of course, you know, different. So if, if you use that analogy of my patients are companies and very senior people in very complex, large organizations, we do follow exactly the same process, right? So on consulting, going from listening and understanding what the challenges of the client is through to helping them and guiding them in terms of making key decisions that would have significance on, you know, their, their business. I think of you as a change maker. It's like a professional change maker. And, and so I am really curious to know from you, what is it that you have learned from your role that you've been able to apply to your life to make a change, whether that's habits or personal goals you've wanted to reach? Yeah, absolutely. And it's an interesting one because, and and one that you would think would naturally come to 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 you, but it did take time for me actually. So I, I I believe probably about six years ago, having been in my career for a couple of years, I kind of came to this understanding or, or realization that we're going to clients, and um, we have kind of proven methods essentially and proven frameworks to help organize how you think around you know, change. And yeah, only six years ago did I think, hang on a second, if I think of myself as a company, how can I apply some of those proven, you know, tools, tips, uh, and actually consult myself? 
Um, so I, I went on that journey and, and it's very interesting when you apply similar um, concepts to yourself, you can start to understand the complexities of, of, a, of, of companies as well as how complex we are as human beings. And, and you know, so there, there are different experiments I say I, I run on myself. However, probably best example to give is, I don't know if you're familiar with Cutter's change cycle. So, so Kata essentially is kind of developed this framework. It's eight steps in terms of thinking about change. And, and so if I, I'll, I'll, I'll kind of walk through that eight step model and how it applies to me in person. And so the, the very first step is around, you know, creating a sense of urgency and interesting because Take the, the simple thing of, you know, if I'm a company, one of the elements of my company is my, what I call my CFO, which is my, my chief financial officer, which is how I manage my money, essentially. And with every company, you know, you want to set financial goals and financial objectives. However, those financial goals and objectives tend to be, you look at what you have today, you're like, hmm, how, how do I reduce my cost often? But Creating a sense of urgency for me was like, actually, what if I set a target, you know, of increasing my revenue? What if I set a target about how much I want my, my cost to be, but in such a way that it's going to be materially important to me, um, for the upcoming year, as an example. And I go through that, you know, particular reflection to create that sense of urgency to me. If I don't do this, there's going to be a significant impact, negative impact for me. And so that makes that change very, very real from the get-go. The, the second step in the, in the cycle really is around forming a team. So once, once you're very clear on, you know, and I'll use the financial perspective as an example, let's say, you know, I want to reduce my travel costs by X percent because, you know, I want to, I want to cycle more whatever that may be. The second is around forming a team. And so that team could be key people in your life or friends or acquaintances that have a, that can help you on that journey of change. So these are people who either, you know, if you want to take up cycling, for example, as an alternative way to work to therefore reduce your travel costs, you may want to join a cycling club, a club. So that could be your, your, your team to help you reinforce that goal. And also that urgency that you've created to change. Or your team could be, you know, your significant other who is always, you know, maybe your, your, your parents or your friends who is always calling you every week uh, to tell you, how is this going? And, and so practically, you know, I do this for myself. When I have a clear goal that I want to achieve, I, I identify someone in my network and I'm like, for the next six months, anytime we speak, just ask me about this one thing. And so that, that creates that recurring, you know, support essentially around you to, to keep it top of mind. And so the, the, the third one, and it's, it's, it's really interesting is around vision. Now we, we're in a world where, you know, with the, with the, I would say information overload. So, and with information overload comes lots and lots and lots of ideas. Um, however. It, it comes with, you know, lots of ideas, reduces the ability for people to actually create a very clear vision. And, and so you, and I, it, it happens with a lot of friends, my clients, mm -hmm. and myself as well. 
if I want to reduce, I've mentioned this example, I want to reduce my travel costs. I'm going to cycle. Many people just stop at that and think that's okay. Uh, or creating a very clear, concrete vision could be, I'm going to cycle. Yeah. And there's a smart model, right? That you could use to also test this is I'm going to, you know, maybe cycle two times a week to start off with. And then after six months, three times a week or a certain distance. And, and so making that as specific as possible shows that you have something that tangibly you can actually in improving and, and fixing as well. Okay. Something, a, a clear, like you say, a vision of where you want to be. And it has to be as, as crystal clear as, as possible. Right. I always call it my mind's eye. Okay. If you can see, you can almost visualize yourself mm. in target state. It's very, very difficult to get to that target state. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and the vaguer your vision, the less likely you're going to achieve. <laughs> okay. And, and then the next one, so on, on Cotter's eighth step is around getting buy-in. Now, and so it's, it's, int- it's an interesting one. So getting buy-in might make more sense for a company where you have lots of different stakeholders to get involved. But again, if you, if you take that same logic, and apply it to yourself, getting mm-hmm. back for me personally means actually I do have other competing elements of things that you either want to do. For example, you know, you, you may yeah, start of the year, think of a new year's resolution of you want to do something and, and then, you know, your family may introduce actually another thing that you have to do. And then there are all these peripheral things that you have to do. Getting buying with yourself is how much of those other things can you reduce the attention on to really emphasize this one goal that you're really focusing on achieving? I see. Yeah. Yeah. Because when you say yes to something, you have to say no to other things, right? Exactly. And again, you know, these are, these are really blockers in people achieving um, their goals because very often you have lots of people who say yes and yes and yes and yes. And, and the, um, the list of to-dos. I don't know if you've ever had this challenge. There's a, there's a challenge in, in Agile world as well is, can you ever get to a zero to-do list? <laughs> Which for many people is, is so, so near impossible. It's, so, it's a white whale. <laughs> but how much can you, you know, emphasize that one thing on your to-do list mm-hmm. as opposed to the 50 other things that are seemingly as important? Yeah. That's what, what I mean by getting buying with yourself. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I had this, I had this idea of a not to do list actually. Oh yeah. (laughs) Yeah. I actually, I tried it today. Actually, (laughs) I wrote down things not to kind of not to do so that I wouldn't divide my attention too much and it helped. Yeah. It's good to be intentional about those things as well. Absolutely. Absolutely. And and I think another thing that pushes you to do is to uh, make choices, right? Strategy is all about making choices. And very often, if you listen carefully to lots of organizations, they always say, this is what we do. Yeah. They say, this is not what we do. <laughs> and so your point there is absolutely, is absolutely key. The, the next step is then around taking action, essentially, or empowering yourself to take action. So you, you've made it, this, this goal you're trying to achieve urgent. You've got people to support you and continually remind you. You've then, you know, created and dimmed out the other, 
goals, essentially, that you're trying to achieve to make sure this takes prominence. But then you actually have to start and actually take an action towards achieving that goal. Very often, many people get to the point, but they never actually take action, you know, and, and that for many reasons, but very often tends to be because they haven't had that conversation with themselves to get the buy-in to actually suppress others and, and emphasize this, or they don't know what the first step might be. So you get into planning paralysis by taking action. How I always, I always advise both, you know, clients, but also myself is what is the one thing that you can do within a very, very short period of time that can be completed from start to finish. So in this example around, you know, reducing my travel costs because I want to cycle more, taking action for me might actually mean putting my bicycle in front of my door. So before I you know, it's such a micro simple action. However, it's there physically in my environment. I can't, you know, miss that there's a bike blocking my exit in the yeah. morning. And, and so it might seem like a very tiny action. However, it sets you up in terms of the next action that you would take, which is actually maybe removing the bike from the way. And you've consciously told your brain, okay, I'm not going to do this today. Yeah. yeah. But the next day, remember to keep that bike again in front of your door. Mm -hmm. It starts to challenge yourself closer towards that goal you're trying to achieve. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So don't, don't think about the, the biggest material action that needs to happen for me to tick the box of, yes, I have cycled for day one instead of using the train or, or, or the taxi, but rather, you know, the fact of me putting the bicycle in my way, creating an obstruction is a good tick because mm -hmm. you've made that very minimal step closer towards your goal. Yeah. And you're forcing a decision as well, right? Because to exactly. move it back, you, you actively have to decide, I'm not going to ride my bike, right? Exactly. Mm -hmm. And so, yeah, the, the next step essentially is, a, is around short-term. And this... It's crazy, actually, how many people do not do this. So I'm, I'm one for, I celebrate my birthday every single year of failingly. I believe in the value of life, right? Every single day is a blessing. Every, every morning I celebrate waking up. And so with small actions, I celebrate them as well. And it goes beyond kind of ticking something off on a to-do list. But that means celebration. So very often I would reach out proactively to, you know, the people who are supporting me to achieve this goal and inform them that, wow, guess what? I've, I've, I've got uh, this, this, uh, I've, I actually took my bike. I used it <laughs> rather nice. than train. So it also reinforces that communication cycle between, ah, okay, he's doing it. So mm -hmm. I need to remind him again of how's that getting? And I, and it became, becomes a, a conversation point. So celebrating, you know, those micro steps that you're taking towards that goal, it's really important. And celebration goes beyond just saying, yep, I did it. Yeah. Involve people in celebration, same way as you would involve people in celebrating your, your birthday. Doesn't have to be the whole world. It could be, you know, your, your close friends, particularly your goal support network. And I think, you know, and I, I would like to see more of this happen. But social media, social media is so powerful in celebrating micro wins. So definitely use that as a tool as well. I like this idea that you are conscious, you're tracking how you're doing in celebrating. 
And yeah, you're giving yourself a bit of dopamine, which isn't just about reward, but it's also about knowing that you're on the right track and just stimulating you to do continue doing what you're doing. It's great. Exactly. And, and look at it as, as likes and retweets in the human, in the human form. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> I love that. Life imitates art and then art imitates life. The penultimate step, essentially, in this eight steps is around not letting up. And so this is around essentially cost consistency. Now you, you probably, you know, have done all the, all the, all the six steps. You're celebrating the small wins, but it's actually very, very difficult to continue and maintain momentum. And, and so this is where similar to someone who is running a marathon, similar to someone who goes, I, I love going hiking. So I love climbing things and mountains, particularly it gets to a point where you're like, ah, oh, actually there's, there's a resistance. So it's, you know, being consciously aware that at some point in time, there will be a resistance and being ready to then address that resistance once it comes. So it, it's not as simple as, you know, just, hey, tough, just push through, or rather, you know, being aware. But once we get into that rhythm of the early stages of our goals and what we're trying to achieve, um, it's definitely important to kind of listen to yourself, right? And then once you're feeling that you're getting to that point, where actually there's some resistance, go back again to refresh yourself on why am I doing this, right? So what's the urgency for it? If that's still the case, and if that's not still the case, then that mountain becomes even more difficult, right? Or you have, it is not urgent enough for you. So that's, that's definitely something to, to keep in mind. For me personally, I, I, I have different techniques that I, I go to to try and get over the hump. So what, one of them that, that really works for me is to re really kind of get, especially my, my network, meet in person where possible and then reinforce why I'm, why I'm doing this, almost repitch it to them why I'm on, on this, on this goal and, and get them to challenge my thinking as well, because that dialogue really helps me to say, yep, there's still value in this and there's still value in moving ahead. The final aspect is then around, and the final step in, in Cotter's model is around making change stick. And what, and what that really speaks to is, so very often when people set goals, you know, there's a start date and an end date. Making something stick is what happens after the end date. And, and so very, you know, in this example, I may have at the start been in making my vision very clear, giving myself, you know, in 2022, going to reduce my transport costs because I'm going to cycle more for all these reasons and benefits. However, at the, come the 1st of 2023, do I continue or does this become second nature to me mm -hmm. or I roll back? And so that's a, another conscious conversation you need to have of very often if there are moments where your priorities have significantly changed, it's okay. <laughs> to to let go of it because something else you then need to pick up and emphasize as top priority for you. But also if you decide and, and if you're, you've built that muscle memory that actually cycling to work now is a preferred mode of transport for me and this is my new stable tra travel cost, then that's absolutely fine. That just becomes second nature and then your automatic brain kicks in essentially. So mm -hmm. you don't need as strongly as much. 
as those prompts because that just happens. So yeah, making making change stick is really actually going back to drawing but to say, yep, do I need to then end this and pick up something else or do I, this run second nature to me. And those steps you can apply it not just to the example I gave around cycling, but to really any that's in process because very often it is, you know, making choices is one of the most difficult things. And to, to just make and emphasize the point, for me, six years ago, when I started this whole process, you know, for my clients, when we're developing a strategy for the, the next year of what they're going to focus on, they come up with lots and lots of, in fact, if you read an annual report of any company, you see 101 things that they want to do. So I went down that route of 101 things that I, I'm going to do in terms of goals and it just ethically fails. So boiled it down now to every year, I never commit to more than five things that are crystal clear and detailed out. Five things I communicate over and over and over again to as many people that would listen. And so it's, it's quite important, you know, once you, and don't pick too many things, otherwise you, you get overburdened. Thank you so much for your time today. This has been wonderful. No, thank you so much. Thank you for listening to this episode of Brand New Doctor. I hope it inspired you in your personal journey. Check out the notes for a summary of the show with all of the important links. And if you enjoyed this, 